Welcome to Philosophy Friday. Stay tuned. Nick, what's going on? Hey, long time no here, bro. Long time no here. I've been flying solo, bro. <laughs> Have you been doing recordings? I've been doing crazy. What are you saying? You haven't been listening? Dude, I've been on a holiday. I've been doing nothing but reading and just chilling out. Right? Yeah, I suppose. You've had such a traumatic holiday. I suppose, you know, you don't want to use the little bit that you did have to <laughs> <laughs> listening to uh, these recordings. Um, but yeah, no, I've been flying solo, bro. It's been lonely. It's been lonely well, as a two. Well done, bro. Pushing I, through. That's t- excellent. I, I know. Yeah. Like every single day. <laughs> what? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was stunned to think maybe I should call this thing the one lonely age sojourn <laughs> or, or something like that. No, it's, um, it's been cool. Um, what happened was, um, did I tell you about the Brandon Adams thing? You mentioned it, yeah, but tell me more. Right, yeah, so he, uh, you know who he is, right? He's the 1689 guru in the States. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, totally. So he got hold of me and um, and uh, wanted to uh, get some thoughts on a few different angles, which is great because you know how we're always talking about, um, you know, it seems like this whole uh, federalism thing has taken a life of its own. It's sort of just gone off and hasn't even considered the, um, the, the, the possibilities on... You know, and just and haven't haven't interacted, for example, with with guys that we know quite well, and that's been frustrating for me. And you know that um, the cool thing about Brandon Adams, though, if his uh, blog is anything to go by, is that he has just you know he's totally at least interacted. I mean, I haven't I haven't done him the justice of looking through everything he's written on it, but he, you know he's pretty copious, and um, he uh, it seems like he's he's really gone into it all. You know, and so Klein, yeah. Really? Gil, yep, I'm Jewett. I'm sure he's going to do it. I would, I would never doubt. So yeah, man, it's going to be. He's very aware, you know, of what's going on in the more contemporary scenario. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to interacting with that. So maybe we can. All right, and then the other thing that happened, if you haven't been listening to the show, is that we've changed Smoking Saturday to guess what? No idea. Oh, take a guess. Psychology Saturday. Oh, that would have been good too. Dang. Uh, (laughs) Stoic Saturday. Stoic Saturday. No, even better. Even better. 1689 Saturday. Oh, that's a goodie. Yeah, Yeah. because it was, you know, 6S. The number was throwing me off the whole time. Actually, S. It just makes so much sense. Totally. So... 1689 Saturday, so I'm going to you know, carve out a little bit of time to come back on the Baptist stuff, and I've already been throwing some polemics in there, bro. Um, I've Brilliant. actually been interacting with, um, uh, started interacting with this crazy book. <laughs> you have to take a look at this. It's, uh, it's called uh, The Failure of um, Baptist Culture in America. Wow. All right. And it's, uh, have you ever heard of a guy named James Jordan? Um, maybe he's mentioned some of the things that he's done. The names does sound familiar, but it could be someone else. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's the college's, um, Geneva Divinity School. And, uh, I don't know. I've never heard of James Jordan. So no, I was just okay. wondering if you, you had, uh, heard, but, uh, yeah, you've heard of Gary North, right? Yeah. Yes. yes so he's yes. the, he's the other editor. So, okay. <laughs> so that gives you yeah. some sort of idea, right? Um, and, yeah, man. Oh, it does not disappoint. 
Brilliant. It's got this crazy sort of like they are just dissing. The thing is, they're dissing anything that's not old school James Ball kind of, uh, you know, Westminster monocovenantalism, reconstructionist yeah. stuff. And uh, they're so just. Would be uh, pedo communion as well. Oh, I'm sure they would. I don't know if there is an article on that. I haven't got there yet. But yeah, like uh, just of the Christian mission, you know, just trying to totally go there with the transformationalist thing, uh, social apologetics. Um, man, just the, oh, wow, just all over the place. Uh, Muslim style missions, hey? Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. Make babies to bring in culture. For sure. I mean, that's exactly it. And um, and then uh, th- there is this uh, one one article there that I've been looking at, uh, which is actually really good um, in terms of the way it, it looks at the more internal kind of tensions between, um, you know, the classic sort of Westminster, uh, West and East debate. Uh, it's called, uh, and apparently this guy was a um, New Zealand reformed minister as well. So he made it into this thing. Okay. And uh, what is it called now? It's, uh, let me just try and get that quick. Um, it is called Baptism, Redemptive History and Eschatology, the Parameters of the Debate by P. Richard Flynn. So huh. I've been looking at that. So what's the, he does the whole, he's like, this is what Murray says about infant baptism. This is what Klein says about infant baptism, tries to draw via media between the two. And then he yeah. just like has the most shocking polemic against Baptist, totally misses it. But the first part of the article is great. <clears throat> so I'm looking at that. So anyway, 1689 Saturday, man. That's uh, Sounds good, man. Some action going yeah. on. So you can join Sign me. me up. Totally. Amen. Um, now, we're not there yet, though. We're doing, uh, what are we doing? We're doing some psychology uh no no philosophy so we're on philosophy friday is that what we're doing cool yes all right now i've i've um just only a few episodes ago recommended a a series well basically just constantly through the stoics and ancient greek stuff constantly recommending some um um some surveys uh another good one actually is uh the the philosophy survey by gordon clark have you ever read that one I haven't. I've heard all about it, and I'm keen to get my hands on it. But, I've, uh, I've got it. Brilliant. Yeah. It? It's hard to get, though. You're right. It's just like yeah. a, it doesn't, you know, you have to go through this really weird little website, and, um, you know, and then you uh, never. Trinity Foundation. That's right. That totally. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so they're like the only ones. He does, he doesn't, they don't sell it on, um, I think, all the. Amazon ones are sort of out of print and whatnot, but yeah, they're like they're like an anti-new Calvinist website. Yeesh, yeah, totally. But um, Gordon Clark, I'm a fan, you know. So, um, so where, do, where do you stand with Gordon Clark versus Van Til then? Uh, well, I mean, I I think um, um, oh, where do you stand? Well, I mean, the whole issue of um, it's it all comes down to the God's logic knowledge thing. and yeah. do we know as do we know things as God knows things? Yeah, so the it's almost the equivocal and logical thing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, so Van Til uh, maintaining the creator creature distinction, drawing his two circles on the chalkboard, the thing that he's notorious for. Yeah, said that we can never never know anything like God knows it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but Gordon Clark wanting to defend the fact that we know that we can actually know propositional truth. Mm-hmm wanted to try and say, well, if, if God knows something and we know the truth, then it's the same thing that we're knowing in the same way. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not the truth. Right. Because then it wouldn't. So. Yeah. So <laughs> I think, well, I, you know, and, and I think um, um, I, I remember doing uh, Ronald, the guy that got me onto Gordon Clark, I think, more than anyone else was Ronald Nash. I don't know if you um, yeah. have ever yeah, tracked this well. stuff. Yeah. So, like, I mean, he 
On that exact point, I mean, he was just, I remember, <laughs> so I kind of cut my teeth on, on uh, philosophy through Ronald Nash. And yeah, I mean, Ronald Nash was an anti-impassibility guy. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't, yeah, if I, let's put it this way. I've, I side with Clark, but I know that I've kind of got some weird bias that I haven't properly worked through yet. I think I'm with Van Til, bro. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so, so why has the analogical issue not solved that? Well, I think it has solved it. Okay, so why are we even debating about that then? <laughs> I mean, if you want, if you want, a, if you want a good review of Clark's view, go read Robert Raymond. Okay, yeah, totally. And if you want a more sympathetic view of Van Til, go read John Frame, looking at the issue. Yeah, I just don't like the way it ends with with uh, Van Til's thing. Ends up sort of, um, well, like uh, Nash always said, you know, you just sort of make everything. Me- well, you you make. Um, um, you know, it's true. It, it sort of takes that whole thing where we can know God finitely out of yeah. the equation, you know, and it's just the, the, the sad thing about the debate is I think it's a, I think it got pretty nasty. Didn't yeah, it, try to get uh, Gordon Clark unordained? Yeah, totally. I think he did, didn't he? I think that's what happened. Or yeah, something like that. Yeah. I just know it wasn't it wasn't kosher. Classic yeah. reform style, yeah. Let's eat each other alive, <laughs> you know, for some freaking minutia. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy. Anyways. Yeah. Um, all right, let's leave that aside. Well, I was, I was just uh, mentioning Clark has a great uh, overview, uh, despite okay. what you what you yeah. might, um, you know, so it's worth reading, definitely, if you can find it or get your hands on it, buy it. Um, it's called, uh, I think, Thales to, to Dewey or something. I don't know. Um, and... Good. Uh, and any other Western overview um, is good, I think. Just to, but yeah, what, I can thoroughly recommend Colin Brown. Uh huh. Good. Cool. So he, he did something in the sixties, uh-huh. um, and then it was republished. Um, I think it's the history of Western thought, and it, it's uh, basically they republished it as, as the first volume of, of a three-volume set. Ah, and it's cool. outstanding. Wow. Very, okay. Very good. good. Good yeah. call, yeah. Is that available on Amazon or your usual process? Uh, yeah, anywhere you want. Book depository, Amazon, right. yeah. I'll try and get that on the little library that I've started accumulating on the website, just uh, book recommendations that we're making. Um, so uh, there's that. And basically what I was, where I was going with that was, um, you know, typically where you would start on all of these overviews is the, you know, you'll start in the pre-Socratics and you get into the whole... Yep. Uh, Socratic thing and then the sophists and you know that you try and you know it, it's part of the way this whole narrative has worked itself out and um, uh, one of, I, I'm just recently going through uh, one of these overviews that I recommended the other day it's actually an audible series but I'll leave that aside for now and um, and just sort of lingering on the sophist uh, and uh, philosopher debate you know so the thing that you know, it just uh, I don't know if you you mentioned earlier you know something about it. You want to give us a little overview of what that's about? Well, just the small thing that because I listened to uh, Bertrand Russell's overview on philosophy and just yeah, what stuck out in his analysis is that on Audible as well. Time. Sorry, is that on Audible as well? Yeah, that oh, is. that would be good to recommend too. Good. All right, thanks. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I think it's history of Western thought, politics, economics, something or other. It's very, very good. Very good. But um, what he, what just something that he highlighted probably better than others have, and maybe you picked it up from Clark, is just the whole thing of the Stoics essentially saying, "Look, we can't really know truth truly, so it all comes back to rhetoric, mm-hmm. persuasion, mm-hmm. and training training people, men to manipulate the crowd and getting people to follow mm-hmm. more than getting them to believe the actual truth." Yes, good. So you got the philosopher who put a put a strong premium on the truth, 
And uh, the sophist who said, listen, truth is is ultimately going to be relative. They were essentially relativists uh, or yeah. the precursors to relativists or what we typically. Skeptics, yeah. Yeah, post, uh, post-modernity is filled with this sort of thing. Um, and then you had, you know, w- one thing I think probably that the Christian tradition relates so strongly to Plato and and uh, Aristotle for is is their care for truth and their desire to find it and uh, the overlap that that has then with the Christian uh, revelation. But um, the, um, the, the, the 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 debate there, as so many other things in those ancient at that ancient point, or just through those uh, thinkers, I suppose. That, as I said the other day, they kind of distill the big questions of life down to their essence, and that's why I think they they have this abiding value. Um, but yeah, that that debate between the sophist and the philosopher. Um, really still is very much alive and well today, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's really <laughs> just the truth thing. It's the debate today, yeah. Yeah, and so it's amazing. It's uh, at some level just totally amazing. Now, you know, it, it'd be interesting to spend more time on that debate, you know, just as to um, can we know truth and that sort of thing. But um, I, the, the angle I had was um, I wanted to just think about that in terms of the way it relates to Christian preaching because um, you have like, you know, one thing that struck me is that you have the, you know, the philosopher who was principled on this idea of, um, hey, you know, if I, I'm not really concerned as to how I say something, if it's true, the reality is that it's true, and you know, in its truth, it carries the power that it needs to to have yeah. the uh, the effect that it needs. You know, so uh, I'm not so much uh, concerned with with that. The philosopher says, I just want to, you know give all my attention and time to finding out what the truth is, and I'm just simply going to state it, and it will carry its own authority. Uh, the sophist of Like voice. Spurgeon's comment of let the lion out of the cage and the lion will defend itself type thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. And that's, uh, yeah, it's interesting that Spurgeon said that too. I want to come back to that because, you know, Spurgeon, on the other hand, is Mr. Persuasion, you know, and uh, <laughs> and so clearly he, he sort of navigated this issue in his mind somehow. And uh, um, didn't Paul say, knowing nothing but Christ crucified? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. Another, so, and Paul, Paul, similar type of example. Yeah, and Paul, you know, going against many of the sophists of his day, I think, in Corinthians, and and uh, I mean, that's where that sophistic culture would have been at its peak, right? Um, th- those, um, you know, people that would have almost uh, in the church emulated the sophists. You know, I believe they used to like like get you know these um, the. It was all about persuasion, so it was like the way that you looked mattered. You know, you'd pump some yeah. iron, you know, you'd just, you know, get all tanned and you'd get a body wax or whatever <laughs> and, you know, shine yourself up before you go Grow preach. Grow a beard. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if, um, if <laughs> man, they probably would have rejected the beard thing. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, totally. Uh, so that's where it does definitely overlap with, with so much of what's happening today with glitz and glam and, and what's not, you know, the, the sophistic idea. Um, but of course, obviously, it's almost like the direct connotation would be politics today almost, you know, you've got just schmooze it up, you know, and just talk. Oh, yes. I mean, the, the, the political debate is for me the kind of the literal carryover of that. You've got people literally going into it thinking that the debate is going to win the day. Um, you know, so it comes down to your campaign and what you look like. And oh, my goodness, just it's just the, the root of all evil in politics. Um, but. Um, the philosopher, of course, is on the other hand, and he's, um, he, 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 you know, I, maybe, yeah, well, here's, here's where, here's where I, th- I think it gets interesting, because if I think of, like, the two networks that I'm part of, okay? Yeah. Now, I don't want to generalize here, and I don't want to, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that 
you know, all in the one group don't care about truth or whatever. But there's def- definitely a weighted emphasis in, in the two groups. So if I think about Reformed Baptists, for example, um, typically very faithful with the truth. They go after it. You know, they, they spend their weeks studying the text. I mean, they've got gold. Typically, you know, not always the case, unfortunately, but but typically uh, that's the kind of ethos and vibe. And then, hey, just, you know, get it out, you know, read it on Sunday or whatever. Faithful flooding. (laughs) Faithful flooding. Yeah. You just sort of get the info across on Sunday or whatever. And um, and, you know, let the let the lion out of its cage kind of deal. Um, whereas you got uh, my other network is X29 and, um, you know, a lot of faithful brothers there. And I don't want to again, I'm not throwing Mm -hmm. anyone under the bus, but I'm just saying at large. Um, there's definitely a greater emphasis on um, your your sort of homiletics and your communication and your know, presentation, contextualization, contextualization, and uh, sometimes you know while it might not be heresy or anything, it's just it's not very deep, it's not very you know uh, the the truth does not add a great great as much. You could just see they haven't spent enough as much time. Let me put it that way, as much time. Now whether they're correct in that or incorrect, let me not just swoop down and make a judgment call. Let me leave this open. In terms of like, you know, obviously both of us would say homiletics is important. Presentation yeah, is important. Definitely. And, both, mm. and both of us would say that, you know, we've got to spend time, um, you know, studying the text. But I, I was just thinking to the degree that we maybe even subconsciously land on, way, on one of these issues or weighted towards one of these issues. Uh, we're actually going to shape our whole ministries, you know, that it's going to. It's going to affect things quite dramatically, um, even to the point where I was thinking, like, um, you know, let's say, take a Greek or Hebrew, like, nerd. Let's take a guy who is just, you know, in fact, I know one of these guys. He's got a PhD in a whole bunch of different Semitic languages. And, um, man, like, you know, so he he obviously just is like a genius when it comes down to, like, knowing what the actual Hebrew text is saying or whatever. But sure. Is he writing this stuff in a way that's persuading? Is he having uh, the impact that, that he could have? Not at all. I mean, the, the, the preaching is barely happening. It's just sort of limply coming out. So, so if the philosopher is right, he's saying, go, Semitic language guy. Just, you know, you're on the right track. Get the truth. There it is. You've got it. Like, you've got it at the most authoritative level ever. And what you're doing is correct. Just get out there. And even if it just kind of flops out of your mouth, on Sunday, yeah. or even if even if you write an article and it's the most stale, dry, terrible, you know, like non-persuasive article ever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> there it is. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, th- th- you see what I'm saying? And, and then, you know, you yeah. know that that's true. And yet we are we siding with the sophists? What's going on? What do you think? Uh, well, let me respond with the story. Ah. And it's, it's a story I, I, about it's a story about story. Didn't Jesus do that? <laughs> let me tell you a parable. But, uh, let those who hear, hear. All right. Nice. So, um, once upon a time, naked truth arrived in a village. Naked, shouting. Mm-hmm. And uh, the villagers in the village were petrified and ran away. The next day, Story, dressed in some beautiful garments and carrying a basket of fruit, came. And everyone in the village loved story and came and ate of her fruit. The next day, false teaching came, wearing story's clothing with poisoned apples. And the whole village came, ate false teaching's apples, and they all died. Wow. <laughs> so what you have there is, you know, the power on the one hand of story and the necessity of 
you know, taking the naked truth but making it appealing, but then also the danger of uh, story, narrative, mm. and all the rhetorical devices that people are trained in, selling lies and deceiving people. Mm. So it's a tool that cuts both ways. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way you t- tell stories, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> So do my kids. So do my kids. We all love it. Um, all right. So what does that mean, though? You know, like, how is that even? What are we going to do about that? Where are we? Who are we? You know, as preachers. Yeah, I mean, so let's come back to contextualization. We live in a media age. We live in a people. Uh, we live in an age where people have slightly shorter concentration spans. Mm-hmm. We live in an age where we can't be uh, Lloyd Jones or Jonathan Edwards sustaining uh, a single argument throughout a whole sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to have good intros to grip attention. We need to have uh, well-constructed thoughts that's logical in bite-sized pieces. Mm-hmm. We can't give them the whole elephant. We have to feed them one piece at a time. And it has to be attractive um, so that it's not boring. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, there is. We do compete with other things. But in one sense, um, you know, doing it appropriately without overdoing it um, is a form of contextualization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what are we saying? That there is a third category almost. There's the philosopher, the sophist, and the preacher. Who it's kind always, of, always a third way, bro. Right, the via media. Um, so, right, I suppose then, I mean, yeah, it, look, it can't be denied at some level. I mean, there is, um, I suppose this is the whole enterprise of homiletics, and, I, I, you know, I feel very, very, very strongly. I mean, I hate listening to a sermon. Okay, here's my thing. Right. And I talk about this all the time. In fact, you know, now we've just had a whole little um, holiday where we jumping around churches and the whole thing came out again. And it just it happens every single time. Yeah. Um, But, you know, for me, so we went to one church and it was kind of like, you know, it was well presented, you know, just nice and tidy around the edges. Just basically a a, a nice little kind of marketing, Um, you know, just just well presented evangelical generic church. And you can go there and sing nice songs and you're a nice Sermon that's not heretical, and um, you know, you're basically going to be somewhat encouraged, and you're going to come back, and that's going to be awesome. Um, and then you're going to go to another. We went to the other church, Reform Church, where uh, man, love. You know, it's it's like you know, sharp as heck on the edges, and yeah. um, you know, but rooted into the confession, and you know, the the the, the sermons like coming out in a really strange way, but it's coming out in a in a way that you know is definitely connected to the truth and has that. You know, it's true, then, but it's dry. It's true, but it's dry, and it's kind of weird, but it's dry, but it's true, and and, and you know you're <laughs> you're singing your know, psalms in really weird ways, but you know it's the psalm, the so, awesome. so yeah, yeah, the words awesome, so amen. So I would, you know, I'm always the guy who, if I have to choose a church, so I'm not pastoring, I would go to that church. I'd go to the church that's kind of weird and clunky, but is you know has that sharper edge on the truth. Um, so I feel like for me, that's definitely the thing. Yeah. I know how tedious it is to sit under a boring sermon as well and how difficult it is to, to you know, stay in love with the truth um, if you're not helped by someone, you know, who condescends to your weakness, as it were, and uh, right. brings you along, you know. So it, I, I feel it's very important. Like, I can't stand it when there's a great sermon and the guy just trashes it with a stupid presentation or, you know, just not even presentation so much, but just like a canned thing you know versus like just something legit from the heart um and so you know like what does that make me i i see the point of the sophist insofar as the need for persuasion and the bible see now is all persuasion illegitimate persuasion yeah i I suppose that's what we're asking here so here's here's a question 
do you think a man should be attracted to the woman woman he marries? I do. Yeah. Is that <laughs> is that simple? Uh, no. no. It's wise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, now bring this back in. I want to know where you're going with this. <laughs> well, you know, uh, God has made it. You know, so here's the person I love. Let's say she's a very godly woman. Okay. But part of that, part of what draws me to her is not only this abstract intellectual assessment. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm more than a mind. Um, mm-hmm. I've got other senses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's just so much more to something being good and true than just its content. Mm. Yeah, totally. Um, so there are just more ca- more boxes of categories that need to be ticked. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. And then what do we say to the one who, um, you know, and again, like I just even as I'm talking now, I'm thinking, you know, if I if I was dying, right, and I was having a an issue of real doubt, you know, or, or just a, a lack of assurance, I know the yeah. guy that would most comfort me at my deathbed is uh, not a guy that's really good at communicating and, and can wordsmith the living daylights out of something, you know, to give me a really pithy little statement while I'm dying. That's <laughs> that's definitely not going to help me. I, I know myself at least enough to know that. I, I, I don't even, it's almost like I don't even care what the guy tells me as long as I know that he, that the guy, he could say Jesus loves you for all I care. Yeah. But, but if his, his PhD makes it worth something. His PhD, well, you know, in the best sense of that term, you know, yeah. uh, if, if he, his speciality is life given and devoted to whether that was true or not, you know, his blood, sweat, and tears behind that statement is, is, is going to be what assures me, you know, like the textual variants don't disagree with what he's saying and he knows that, you know, uh, thing, <laughs> things I haven't even considered, he's considered to the point that, yeah. and I think that even affects, um, like the way that I want to pastor people, like it, you know, the guy who perhaps values another way is going to pastor people in a different way. He's going to craft these words. He's going to, you know, get it all down. And the other guy's going to go, "Listen, I'm loving on you, man. I'm I'm in the books all day for your sake." And you know, it's going to affect every part of your pastoral ministry in, in many ways, not just your preaching. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, so what do we say to the guy who, who says, "No, I think the philosopher was right." You know, and uh, I'm a Reformed Baptist dude, and I'm just I'm gonna study my brains out, and uh, you're gonna get gold on Sunday in terms of content, and uh, yeah. let the truth fall where it does, and uh, booyah, you know. Uh, so, so if if to answer that, if if I'm advising someone in the pew, yeah, and so it's the choice between a guy who's dry but true, mm-hmm. and a guy who's funky and funny and has less content. Mm-hmm. I will encourage them to go with the guy who's dry but true, yeah, and to see through the. Mm-hmm. You know the shallow aspects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if it, if I'm encouraging a Reformed Baptist pastor, mm-hmm. that's then good. I would say, dude, preach the truth, <laughs> stick to your guns. But man, come on, come spruce on. it up. Seriously, you're talking about God over here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. True. So what are we? I think what we're saying, it sounds like anyway, is that as we look at the sophist um, philosopher debate, and as we compare that to Christian preaching. We take yeah. a decided bent towards the philosopher versus the sophist. We, we, there is such a thing as truth. Content yeah. is important. We don't endorse the skepticism, the postmodernism, or the relativity. Right. And it's not just that we're Reformed Baptists. It's because we're Christian that we err on the side of the, the philosopher and truth, right? We, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. And so, but we don't want to, like the philosopher, completely uh, negate any value in persuasion. Um, yeah. which, uh, which, you know, is there. And, and I suppose one of the biggest things for me is just 
the whole Bible is put forward in a way that's persuasive. I mean, you've got poetry, you've got literary devices, you've got yeah. forcefulness. Uh, you know, the prophets, just read any of the prophets. He could have just said, hey, you know, uh, point A, da-da-da, point A, one, B, da-da-da. You know, but no, you have this uh, forceful rhetoric and... Um, and you know that that's it shows. You know, one of the things I think is um, I was just mentioning this the other day on the, another episode. But uh, you know, when you're dealing with the speech act theory thing with um, elocution and perlocution and that sort of thing, um, I think yeah. you know, despite the perlocution, despite the way that we end up reacting to what is said, um, I think one of the things about forceful rhetoric or just bringing as much persuasiveness and wordsmithing and all of that stuff into it is that it shows that your intent, your elocution, is for good rather than for their rejection of the message. You know, yeah. that, that you're wanting, it's not, you know, if they reject it and that's the perlocutionary effect, fine, whatever, there's not much you can do about it. But it's, it's you know, you want to know that your intent has come across in every way to condescend to weakness, to help where you can, to over, help people overcome their, you know, either lack of desire to want to turn on their brains or whatever it is, or just, uh, you know, perhaps their hearts are numb and you want to get in there for them and help them with that. It just shows that you love them, I suppose, you know. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. Look, just coming back to preaching and yeah. effective preaching, I think if you if your own heart is gripped by the truth, mm-hmm. you know, conviction is one of the key ingredients to effective preaching. If if the people are looking at you and they know you believe it as you're preaching it, mm. um, for me that's rhetoric. For me that that ticks the most important box. It's authentic. Yeah, it's real. It doesn't have to be polished. It doesn't right. have to be slick. Yes, that's a good point. If, yeah, if it's true and it's truth affecting my personality as I'm conveying it. That's all I'm looking for. I'm, yeah. just looking, I'm just looking for that reality, that authenticity. Right. Yeah, and I think that's actually a very, very important point in terms of relating Christian preaching to the sophist philosopher debate in that, look, at, at the best day, the philosopher is not necessarily going to come up with something that's going to stir his emotion and, you know, make him shout hallelujah because he's being saved, you know. Um, yeah. Whereas that's not the case for the Christian preacher. We're realizing with truth, it's leading to our joy and our salvation. And, and to have that kind of... Um, zeal for truth and and not have it fall on in any way connecting to your emotion is not human and uh, and so yeah so so I think in terms of relating that to the sofa side we're we're saying and this is Paul too isn't it he's going yeah he's going listen I don't want any of the slickness I'm not interested um, I, I just want but he the... would have preached with passion he would have preached quoting the Greek philosophers he would approach yep. he would preach with reams of of material from the Old Testament bringing in secondary sources yeah you know, he would have been super smart as he did it but he yeah. wasn't trying to manipulate no and, and uh, yeah i mean there's it's impossible to imagine that he wasn't uh full of zeal uh, the zeal of the prophets as it were um yeah. you know when he preached so Fire yeah in my bones yeah. yeah yeah it's the very definition of, of of the whole calling thing and so yeah i mean look uh, that's helpful i think you know so hey uh if you're thinking about that there's there's another way that philosophy Helps you just process stuff. And I think just coming back to this thing, I mentioned this the other day, and I think I'll, it kind of just rung true with me as I was reading through uh, this last little section um, on the surface. Uh, it's just um, there's something about that period, just just the fact that that, that debate existed the way that it did yeah. um, and so has continued to exist and is perhaps even the debate um, today. Nothing new, nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun, but particularly present under the philosopher. I mean, that's the thing, uh, at least the, the, the Socratic or the, the Greek philosopher. There was something about that time and something about those thinkers that 
just distilled almost anything important for us to think about uh, to its essence. And it, they give you an opinion. You're usually going to disagree with it. But it's like the, th- the fact that it gets brought up after the other thing that was brought up, after the other thing that was brought up, makes the whole endeavor of studying uh, that period of philosophy at least uh, valuable for, for Christians. So uh, there we go. Something for Philosophy yeah. Friday. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Well, let's draw that to a close. Keep this one punchy. And uh, thanks, Nick. Cheers, bro. Cheers. Cheers.